Hi everyone, and welcome to the Resonance Collective podcast. My name is Valentino Barrioseta, and together with my dear friend and co-pilot Eric Redfield, we will be sharing some of our conversations with the catalysts we meet on our journey exploring human potential, as well as through our work in the impact space. From leading researchers in the fields of human consciousness to impact leaders or best-selling authors, we believe humans are in resonance when surrounded by like-minded people that inspire them, when living purpose-driven lives and when being present in flow especially in the fast-paced world we live in. So the aim of this podcast is to become a platform to share the stories and ideas that can inspire us to become a better version of ourselves. Hi, everyone. Uh, here we are in a new edition of the Resonance Collective podcast. And today I'm really, really excited um, to speak with somebody that inspired me from the first day I met him. Um, his name is Michael Ray. Welcome. Hey, Val. Pleased to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So, uh, you know, we, we always um, speak about how our focus in, in this podcast is about, um, you know, impact and the impact that humans can have on the planet. Um, we touch on human consciousness, which I know you are also deeply passionate for. Um, but the reason why we first met uh, was through our uh, good friend, Eric Rutfeld, um, who brought us together, and mainly because we both uh, work in the social impact space. And I want to I wanna know first a little bit more about your background, so people uh, listening out there really um, know a bit more about you. Um, but we will touch on the project and the amazing work you're doing in Zambia uh, later in this episode. Um, who is Michael Ray? So, um, I was born in Zimbabwe, born and raised in Zimbabwe, and um, I, I did my tertiary education in South Africa, um, I, and I qualified as a chartered accountant um, through Deloitte, and then I got my MBA, and then I decided I wanted to see how I would do in Europe, so I went, I, I went there, I was based in London for most of the time, and for most of the time there I worked for JP Morgan. Um, I was in the software development space mostly in, in development. Um, and then um, after that, uh, after about seven years in London, I, I moved to Switzerland and I was in the hedge fund in industry uh, and I was in that for about five years. Um, I then decided uh, I've had a lifelong dream of evolving Africa in a positive way. Um, ever since I was a child, I, I felt this. Um, as I grew up and I matured, I came to realize Africa was, in my mind, a child of a rape. And it has had irresponsible leadership for a lot of its history. And I really wanted to bring about something new, something different. I wanted it to be disruptive. I wanted it to be challenging. And um, so when I looked at, when I looked at the, uh, how I could be of service to this, I soon identified that uh, to me the continent needs uh, a, new, a new way of leadership and, 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 and better education. So and that, sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I, I want to focus on that particular moment when you decided to make that step, right? Like going from GP Morgan to uh, launch the project that you launched afterwards. I mean, there's a huge gap there. Like how uh, did that happen? If you can go back to that moment in, st in your story and what was the trigger? So, I mean, the flame grew bigger and bigger for this. Um, and, and, and it's not an easy decision. You know, I, 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 had a, I, I had a great life. I was based in the Swiss mountains, skiing every weekend. I had a great job. I, all of those things. Um, but for me, I, I, I was beginning and I, and, I, and I didn't make a huge amount of wealth, but I, but I made enough that um, I f knew what money felt like a little bit and I, and I realized that, that it's empty. It in itself uh, um, only brings a limited amount. So I, um, um, so I took the leap, I took the leap. Uh, many people, and I think quite a few of my friends still think I'm quite crazy, my wife sometimes <laughs> does too, but uh, she's been very supportive. But um, that's, that was the moment. I, I also with me, uh, and I, uh, I've, I've, I, I feel a sense of atonement for my forefathers. I think 
they're part of the irresponsible leadership of Africa. And I wanted to put that right too. Fascinating. I mean, I think, you know, it's one of the common you know, challenges or fears that people face, right, when, when they need to leave either the corporate world or the more um, comfortable zone, you know, to, to move into an area of risk, or personal risk, financial risk, I guess. Um, but I think once you uh, make that step and you see things coming together, I guess, you know, it all pays, pays off. You know, it, it, it does. It does. And, and for me, and, you know, Val, I know, I know you know this journey well, too. Um, it's, it, it, it's, you do go in it, into it with rose-tinted glasses. You kind of, you, you're very idealistic at the beginning, and then you get slapped in the face by the realities of the world. And, and, you know, I think it takes a lot more than good intention to bring about scale change or to, or to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you expect it to be this, this glorious path, I think it's it's I think it's a it's a messy path, and it's and it, and it, and it's one that, and I'm, I'm sure you can speak for yourself a little bit, but the the amount of personal evolution and the amount of change that is required of you, to uh, to to succeed is is incredible. Um, I remember when you said uh, this is the by far the biggest and most challenging project I've ever done. By a country mile, you know. I, I look back, and I, my, I had fairly responsible jobs, and you know, I, I would just breeze through them now. It would, be, it would be, it would be a joke how easy they are. So let's jump into that. You know, like what, what is the name of the project you are doing right now in Zambia, and and what it, is, what is it in a nutshell? So the name of the project is called Edulution. Um, it, it started with it stands for education revolution it uh, sounds like evolution which is my personal uh, philosophy evolution of self and evolution of the world and um, basically it is a it's a techno sapien platform that uses an entrepreneurial model to effectively deliver foundational numeracy and literacy to um impoverished people, people on less than $2 a day. So we're reaching nearly 10,000 learners now, active learners per month. Mainly in Zambia? Um, at the moment, all in Zambia, all in Zambia. Um, we're looking at other countries at the moment. Um, and what, <laughs> what's interesting is, you know, you go into these projects at the beginning, and I remember before I even started this project, I looked around at different projects happening in Africa, and there's, there's really some really exciting, interesting ideas um, and whenever I looked at it, it was, you know, you'd go into this project, you'd look at their project plan, there would be amazing, uh, amazing detail, and it's two years down the line and the project's not really working. And you're thinking, what if, I, I can't do better than that. That's a good plan. And this is when it really struck me that, that no matter how clever the idea, no matter how much tech we throw at this, um, um, the, the key to this is people, is mm -hmm. change. So... The coaches in our case are these entrepreneurial coaches. They're often quite quite young, twenty between twenty and twenty five. Um, they, what we do is we we nurture self belief. We we and this unleashes huge amounts of potential. So you can't. There's a big difference between training somebody how to use the technology, how to switch it on, how to give a class, and there's a huge difference between making them believe in themselves. And as soon as they, that happens, and it takes longer, and it requires high integrity to do that, um, um, the, the results are incredible. So you mentioned technology. What kind of technology exactly do you guys use? <laughs> yeah. So we use technology everywhere. Um, so we have, basically, we have local servers, either served on a Raspberry Pi, which is a little computer machine thing, little box, or a laptop. And um, on that local server, there is um, content, uh, exercises, videos, all of those sorts of things. And um, uh, learners log in, and the, the database tracks their, 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 their movements. And, um, and then, in turn, um, we then extract that information off that database, and we get activity, we get activity reports. We're also doing... Um, uh, those reports are then fed back to the coaches. There's a whole lot of databases behind this. We're using WhatsApp a lot for, for communications. We're using Google Drive. We, 
Um, and we're using solar technology. We th there's just technology uh, everywhere. Um, uh, so um, yeah, it, it's pivotal. But but what is the main piece like the piece that you could not um, miss in the whole system? I mean, is it the tablets that you, you oh, sorry, guys use yeah. to teach? Um, yeah, the tablets are very important. But I would say with technology, I, if you look at any sort of somebody who's who's doing technology projects in Africa and there's a lot of them um, if you only get one part right the whole thing fails I, I kind of see it as pulling up this this plate which has lots of little pieces of fishing wire pulling up this one plate and you have to kind of pull all the different fishing wires with the same kind of weight upwards so because a lot of people like look at it oh it's just dumping some tablets and you know give a bit of training and then you walk out and you've changed the world it's mm -hmm. it's you know the, the the world over has been has been dumped with technology which has failed so so although the technology is really smart and it's really uh, and and can operate anywhere we're operating in sort of insane environments offline off grid um uh, no running water 40 40 plus degrees um all of these um things uh so the most the inaccessible areas right like yeah, super yeah, rural um, areas yeah, super rural areas yeah and um and you know, you get that you get all that smart tech right, and if you don't get the people right, you're done for. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, how do you source the coaches, and what type of people is it that go into the rural areas with this technology to teach local kids? Yeah, so um, we actually have quite a few of our sponsors um, have uh, in, um, have already got stuff in Zambia, and they have um, normally alumni that are coming out of their system that they've put through um, through schooling. One of our biggest uh, um, backers is an organization called Pestalozzi World. And um, they select children from, talented children from rural areas, and they um, put them through what they call a head, heart, and hands education. And when, once they've graduated from high school, they then come into, they become coaches, and they then return home and become coaches um, and, and are so basically, Pestalozzi World, who have, who, have, who have developed one person, is then um, teaching a whole, whole lot more and, you know... Back Creating there. a ripple effect, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. It's a nice, it's a very nice virtual circle. So a lot of our coaches are from our sponsors' alumni pool. Um, now we're getting strong word of mouth and um, coaches are recommending coaches, which is, which is exactly what we want. So... Um, so that's I, I guess it's about sixty forty at the moment. And you mentioned you are currently raising more. I mean, like anyone working in this space, right, is constantly raising funds. Um, what stage is the project right now, and what are your main challenges right now? So the main challenges. Well, I, I I've always understood that you know strategically the main challenges are supply side, basically um, that to make it actually work to actually deliver these things out in these far flung places with people that can really um, be accountable and innovative and be able to solve problems and, and work with the communities, um, all of that stuff, the supply side of it is, is the most challenging. Um, <clears throat> the demand side, i.e. sponsors and, and, and people that are paying for the, for the learner hours, um, that is, uh, it's actually where our bottleneck is at the moment. We, we, we could keep on doubling we it's a great sign yeah yeah i mean we've gone from you know we've doubled just about every every year in student volumes but what our current challenge is is is, is landing the bigger sponsors where we are is we what i call tier one which is like an implementing ngo who will who will sign you up for a year and and, and do the project and will supplement what they're already doing um we're moving on to um the the bigger foundations who um, they just have a, a longer runway, but they will commit millions for uh, you know three to five years. And um, what they're particularly interested in, whereas the implementing NGOs is interested in the in the learning outcomes of their particular learners, the the bigger foundations are interested in system change, and they want to have an exit strategy out of that. So you know, so you've got to pull together a whole lot of uh, different parties. So we have some really exciting big foundations. Who is lots of there's lots of swimming around the hook, and um, I think I think we're going to I think we're going to are those foundations like 
looking for, um, as you said, an exit, a potential exit after making an impact, right? Like that's what is <coughs> called social impact investment. Um, or are you also going to the traditional foundation model where they just hand out the, mo the money because they want to do good in the world? Yeah. So, I mean, the we're, we've built accountability into our model already. So any sponsor that's involved in this um, will only pay for student hours actually delivered, right? And, and there's a whole lot of other KPIs that, um, that um, we measure. So, a, and this covers all the tech, all the coaches, all the program management, all of the admin, all of the communications. It, it covers the whole thing. If the lesson doesn't happen for any one particular reason, um, then nobody gets paid. And the sponsor, you know, so we've, built, we've made it a delivery risk-free model, which is, I haven't seen this happen anywhere. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah. The issue is, is that a lot of the NGO space, the, 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 the foundations, they are in the old way of thinking. You know, so that where they where they'll give you some money at the at the upfront, and you produce all the the project plans and all of those things. So, but there is the, in the social impact space. I think there are some forward thinking organizations, and we are working with those. So, and there's some agencies as well. When I talk about agencies, government agencies. So, the Swiss Development Agency, for example, are, are, are very interested. They've got this product called Sinks, which is social impact incentives which basically um, there's three parties to it. A, um, there's the service provider, which is us. Uh, there's the outcome funder, which is, would be the Swiss Development Agency. Um, and they pay for actual outcomes. And then there's uh, investors, impact investors, who pay the upfront capital mm -hmm. to, 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 um, to finance it. Yeah, to kickstart the whole yeah, thing. exactly. And what return can they expect? So, you know, the... the For the, and again, on the impact investment side, on the investor side, so the outcome, the outcome funder gets what they, you know, gets the, the, the metrics that you set that we all agree on. The impact investor, now it, it, it depends on the impact investor. So there are some that just want their money back, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll give you, um, so they will have a what's called a rotating fund, a sort of a slush fund kind of thing, where they will lend us the money. The, and, and we repay it back and then they'll find another project to, mm -hmm. to invest in. There are some um, and um, there are some who are expecting a financial return um, at, at some point in the future. And there's some that um, who I, I, I guess this is the majority in our case. It's I believe in this project. I think it's great. I think if it, if it, if it doesn't work, I'm going to get, I'm going to get an impact return and mm -hmm. um, And then if we hit it out of the ballpark, and I believe in I believe in what the project's doing, I believe in Michael and all, all of these things, uh, then um, if we bring about system change, then there is going to be some financial return too. But because we we actively have decided to be disruptive in our approach, we don't want to augment an existing broken uh, augment an existing system that's already broken. We want to create something brand new. Mm -hmm. This obviously increases the chances of. Well, yeah, because you know we 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 inventing the whole time, we breaking new ground the whole the whole time, but we are encouraged. I got I got to say, I mean, the risk profile at the beginning, I was kind of like we were failing seventy five percent of the time, and now, you know, we still got a healthy rate of failure, and I think mm -hmm. you got to you've got to have that. If we're not failing enough, we're not pushing hard enough, but we are certainly getting the attention of a lot of people, mm -hmm. and um, the other thing about our model is that we grow it up from the grassroots. We We don't try and impress the Minister of Education or, you know, the Gates Foundation at the beginning. We build it up from the grassroots. We kind of bump our head a few times and we get the community support. We, we actually make it work mm -hmm. before, um, before, it, uh, before we go bigger. So out of, you know, out for, for everyone out there in, in Africa that is doing an amazing projects in, in education, um, I mean, for example, from our personal case, right? Like we are building a school in, in Langa in, in South Africa, a township outside of Cape Town. Um, how could we implement some of your uh, learnings or technology or methodologies to be more accountable and have that uh, risk-free uh, delivery, yeah. which I really liked? <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think accountability, and I think this is where the world's going. I'm, I've, I've, I'm, I just think we early on the curve. I think in five years' time, it's going to be everyone is you know a large percentage of the market's going to be doing that. Um, 
the key i think to getting accountability is well obviously you, you you can structure yourself in a way to make sure that you are accountable so you know that's why we made it if the lesson doesn't happen we don't get paid which is you know it's counterintuitive to a business model because you totally. know you, you can you can you can get risk-free money mm-hmm. and, and we're saying no 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 we don't want that so I, I would actively encourage that that kind of accountability is 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 in the model but to make that accountability work it's uh it's all about the people it's it's about taking people through a psychological change it, it's about nurturing self-belief i think in africa's case and in a, in a lot of the developing world's cases there's uh um they have had many centuries of subjugation and and the curiosity to some extent has been um you know beaten mm-hmm. out of 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 you know out of those cultures and um the, the first thing to do is awaken that is is give somebody the 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 love that they that they that they deserve you awaken their consciousness yeah but for me what what sounds a little bit complicated is you know to be accountable for each hour delivered which is amazing Mm -hmm. i I find it fascinating um but obviously you know in our model particularly you know we we're looking at being accountable for the courses and the programs delivered right so if we our man program is a six months you know program on music and entrepreneurship you know how many of those you know are delivered you know how many students mm-hmm. have gone through the program and have been you know graduated etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, now taking it you know breaking it down to the hour uh-huh. you know it's it's really complicated and really requires for in your in your in your case absolutely mm-hmm. it's you know you're, you're going to measure your outcome in a different way you're going to measure your outcome in a different way because remember the coach's remuneration is 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 based on exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. so um so we we, i think what you've got to do is whatever metric that you set up firstly you agree that it's going to be outcome based and you're going to build accountability into your model Mm -hmm. and then you're going to come up with a some metrics that whoever the stakeholder is whether they're um, whether they're the sponsor, whether they're the, the management, whether they are the coaches doing it, whether they're the learner themselves, you know, receiving the, the benefits of these things, that they're all going for the same thing. So whatever metric that you set up, I think it's imperative that, that they're all pointing at the same thing. And that's the key to these things. Your outcomes are going to be different to mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it did. Um, I mean, I'm I'm especially interested in in the technology that you're using for mm. you know like really measuring um, or monitoring mm-hmm. those hours that yes. are being delivered. That yeah. is, yeah. So, um, so the, these hours are captured on a on a on a local database, mm-hmm. and um, so a, a learner logs in and 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 does hours. Um, we then, even though they're working generally offline, so all the content is served offline, the database captures uh, the, um, the information and then feeds it up into our central database. So it sends a little text file up into the cloud and then that gets consumed into our database, which then we've got a, an analytics platform on top of that, which is um, sponsors are looking at, uh, and by the way, sponsors see huge amounts of granularity. So, um, so sometimes this is uncomfortable for us because you, you, mm-hmm. you know, the world's not perfect out there. So the, the, the technology is, I mean, because I was from JP Morgan and I was in software development, it was, you know, this is your background. This, this is, is your <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, yeah, this is, uh, I love doing that. It's kind of one of my favorite parts of the project. The, um, but the, uh, um, so the technology itself quite often with the with the learning system so we're using another organization called learning equality so we don't develop content mm-hmm. so we we are content agnostic but we have this techno sapien platform the technology providing the content and the 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 exercises and mm-hmm. and, and all of that kind of stuff all the measurement stuff and then the the, the sapiens being the coaches you know mm-hmm. um the um the um, we content agnostic, so whatever course we're doing, we're able to measure in the same way, whether it's an agricultural course or a numeracy course or a literacy course. We're able okay, to. That, that's interesting uh, because, sorry to interrupt you there, yeah, but no problem. Um, that means that, for example, once we have our curriculum polished, yes. you know, and it's based on music and, you know, 
different forms of art and creative media, we could partner with you to deliver that in any of the areas where you are working already. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So you work with third-party yeah. suppliers of content. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so the Zambian government, for example, mm -hmm. they've already expressed an interest in in so um, agriculture, you know, adult learning, so agricultural training. Mm -hmm. So we say, give us your content. We'll put it on our platform. Our coaches will go out there. They'll deliver it. Um, you only pay for stuff actually delivered. Here's all the reporting that you get, and um, this is all going on in in, in these kind of remote crazy places with this amazing um reporting mm -hmm. behind behind it um exactly so so uh, you know our mission is changing how the world learns and 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 this we believe that technology can't solve it by itself you need human beings but you need to combine the two so do you think the old schooling system is flawed uh so if you if you if you look at the science of learning And we've known this since the 60s. You need four things. The most effective way I can learn or you can learn or anybody can learn, you need four things. You need to be actively engaged. You need to work at your own pace. You need to attain mastery before continuing. And you need to work in a, a supported and fun environment. So you have those four elements. And um, there's some research out there um, that, that, that's saying you get to the same level of proficiency in 20% of the time. And I was kind of looking at this thing. Well, that, <laughs> that looks too good to be true. Just um, Maybe if it's 50%, I'll take it. And if you look at how the traditional model is structured, you are passively engaged. You work at the pace set by the teacher in the curriculum. Um, mastery is definitely not a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. And supported and fun environment while you're all together, but you're missing out on some of the most important elements of peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, of, 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 of a group dynamic and that's peer-to-peer -peer teaching which is the most effective way of that anyone can learn so if you just look at the science of it i don't have to have a i don't even have to give my opinion of it mm. it's just like a no-brainer yeah so the the world realized that technology that technology could do this and everyone thought well let's just give tablets to everybody and then we walk away but the, the thing about learning it's a it's an organic process Mm -hmm. So you have massive open line MOOCs, massive open online courses where 120,000 people sign up and how many people actually finish the course? It's about 5-6%. That's like. But you introduce a granny from the village or, or a coach or something like this, the uptake shoots up. So that's the kind of... Uh, um, I'm sure you are a big fan of Sir Ken Robinson. Oh yeah, yeah. Love yeah. the guy. Yes, <laughs> finished reading his book, uh, Creative Schools fascinating um, book which touches on, on, on a lot of the things that you're talking about especially you know talking about the the creative environment and the fun environment you know where students thrive um, mm. and become more creative more engaged mm. with, the, with the curriculum you know and I think that is exactly what we're trying to do in in South Africa with with the school that we are um, now finishing um, you know it's creating a, a creative oasis in the middle of a township mm where you know young creatives can come and and really appreciate their dreams and you know co-create at the end of the days um so i want to move more into you know the human development side because yeah. i know you've mentioned um that your model or your organization is pretty much a human development organization can yeah. you explain more about that yeah i mean in the end i it wasn't intended this way but what i've realized is that we are just a human development organization that just so happens to be delivering education. And I think this human development model can be applied um, uh, to, any, to any sphere. I mean, and, and what I've seen is, is just how powerful it is. You know, just to give you a live example, you know, a tw uh, one of our coaches, 21 years old, um, he's, he was with us for about a year and a half, and we opened up um, a cluster of rural centers, maybe 11 hours an 11-hour drive from Lusaka. We wanted it to be so far away that even if we wanted to get involved, we couldn't, right? <laughs> so so we it needed to be, and it's, it's in a rural area, it's got all those other, all of the, all, all, all of the, the challenges all, that come with all, it. All of the challenges that come with it. And this guy is on fire. He's just on fire. So he opened six centers in three months. Six centers is something like 1,500 learners, 1,500 to 1,800 learners. Um, it's dealing with the school, the headmasters of, of, of six schools, um, the local communities, it, it, it's the school inspectorate. It's, and he's a guy who originated from the area and we're choosing coaches that also came from, those er from, from, the, from the local area. And it's providing this employment and this entrepreneurship. And it's, uh, 
and 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 he's just on fire and and i see the values that we a lot of this nurturing of human development which is uh, the, this nurturing of self-belief they're very tied to our values uh, which we um which we put out there and these values are getting passed on to the children too and i've seen also it's having an effect on the teaching staff as well you know so <clears throat> it's a whole lot of butterfly effects and a whole lot of things i didn't realize mm-hmm. at the beginning that that actually might be some of the strongest elements of the model so for anyone out there in africa that is working in a, in the educational space or that has a passion to share knowledge in some way or, or form um how can they get in touch with with you uh how can they get involved in the project or how can they you know fly the flag of your project well i mean there's there's quite a lot of different ways obviously there's there's the financial one we've had quite a few people um so if you're a big organization out there and and particularly if you if uh our, our ultimate vision is is system change and we need to go to the next level of scale um So, you know, we've got 10,000 learners, we want to go to 50,000 learners. And then when we go to 50,000 learners, then we can then we can show that the model is really effective and then we can start implementing making an, uh, a change at the system level. Um, so so to the to to the organizations out there that are that are that have a disruptive spirit that that you know want to take a risk because we need risk takers, um, then um, I'd love to I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can reach us at at, at info@edulution.org. At Um, just mention my name and this podcast, uh, and 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 the message will get to me. Um, there are other ways we we've had we've had quite a few volunteers, people with skills, um, who have um, given of their time. So uh, is this mainly locals or also like foreigners? It's countries? foreigners. It's foreigners who who come in and um, um, they 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 bring their skills. Um, so that and that's been useful. That's been useful too. Um, we've had others. Uh, just um, um, there's people that are providing uh, sponsorship for our fund, our, our nutrition program. So we we have to feed the children that we that we teach because they often are very malnourished and starving, and it was completely unethical to try and teach somebody. Um, they don't even pay attention, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's a very basic. Got to, yeah, mm. Exactly. So we, you know, we we just did. We'll swallow the cost and. And then um, looks like we we're getting a sponsorship for that. Um, solar, solar particularly as well is um, is it's an expensive to set up. And 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 if there's any solar providers out there, that's that that that, that one's open. And um, solar because you um, charge all the batteries of the yeah everything the tablets uh, and everything with yeah. solar energy. Fifty percent of our centers are off grid. Mm-hmm. So, um, or the grid is so unreliable that we need solar. So, um, so, so the the solar provision is 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 important. We've just gone through a big iteration, but you know these things are operating in insane conditions. It's sort of like, yeah. So battery performance and all of this stuff. It's it's. Um, there are other there are other areas. I mean, um, uh, we get quite creative too. Uh, uh, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, he, uh, the Helberts, they mm-hmm. they have a bike fund. So basically, the coaches, um, the coaches have to ride five or six kilometers normally to get to their centers, and they've provided funding for a bike fund. And um, we don't give away the bikes. The bikes, the the bike own the bike fund owns the bikes, and they are rented to the coaches. For example, so you, we have a whole lot of different uh, sort of creative ideas, but the big one is obviously the the money, uh, the, the 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 foundations. Oh, the the other thing is also um, we've had quite a few software providers, so uh, one called ClickSense, which is like this amazing analytics uh, um, software that we put on top of our database, um, and it's a very expensive piece of software, and they 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 sponsored us that. So um, so they. Quite often, I, there's another one like MTN, which is mobile money, uh, which is a mobile service provider, is also giving us uh, their services. So there's there are companies out there that um, that's what they do. So therefore, the cost of their sale, the cost of doing it, is actually not that expensive for them, but they get all the benefits of being involved in the program. And I know you are, you know, personally very passionate for you know human consciousness and uh, mindfulness. Uh, And not paying attention to pay attention. <laughs> um, are you considering like including any of these subjects or any of these topics in the current educational model? So um, 
the the the, the direct answer is no because when you look at the, the needs out there, the first one is um, foundational numeracy and foundational literacy, which is the sort of the the, the parents of everything else. Mm-hmm. But what I've what I um, but indirectly yes, because and this is was uh, an organic thing that came out of it is that our values, which are <clears throat> I, can I, I have a moment to th- there's five values, but th- this is central to our whole organization, how we make decisions, um, how the coaches operate themselves um what we think is the 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 key to our success in fact without these values being alive and well we think the idea dies and they are um one of them is uh, we are the change tribe um the other is something for something but nothing for nothing uh so you've got to put in to get out um i am unstoppable we are unstoppable so when there's a problem we find a way um the um alone i cannot but together we can so uh and um when they succeed we succeed um so it's all of these very empowering um uh sort of taking responsibility for yourself and your life mm-hmm. um um values which i see are getting passed on to learners which i see are getting passed on to the teachers at the schools that we that so your principles right yeah, exactly exactly so i mean when i started this whole thing uh, um, um it, it's all about bringing about a new way of leadership and and a new way of learning and this model is so far delivering both but i think if you don't have responsible leadership no matter how you educate somebody i i i think you're not going to get very far so i i in fact my own suspicion although we won't be able to measure this is that the the, the butterfly effect of of what i'm seeing the changes going on in the coaches and what they're doing in their local communities is i think going to be the thing that brings more than the actual learning that we're delivering but you know the, our, 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 our key goal is, the, is is changing how we learn and i'm gonna you know ask you a, a bit broader question what is um you know the dream scenario um in the near future for you and what would be the change you want to make with this organization so um Ultimately, I think where we are at the moment, we've got the we've got the sticker on the car bumper. We're you know, reaching ten thousand people. We, you know, it's uh, you know, can pat ourselves on the back, and yes, we're doing a great job. But what I'm really interested in, what the mission of this organization is, is to change how the the developing world learns. So, for me personally, I would like to see system change. I think you've got to be very careful and very strategic. You've got to box very clever as to how you do that i don't think you walk in with a hammer because you will get smashed yourself it's it's i think you've got to i think you've got to do it in a in a in, in a very smart way and and at the same time develop human beings um into these accountable innovative people who who really believe in themselves and what they're doing and then i think uh, uh, i think we are will be able to deliver a lot to africa Yeah, I guess, you know, like with the fast-paced uh, world we live in um, and with the constant um, technology evolution, you know, with AI now and with mm. virtual reality, et cetera, et cetera, I think um, the way we're looking uh, into education is going to dramatically change in the next decade, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was reading the other day an article on The Garden um, that said that 80% of the jobs in 10 years' <laughs> time, we don't know them today, right? I've read that I one. I know that's a little bit scary, but yeah. um, if that is the case, right, like, one would think that we need to teach our students to evolve and mm-hmm. to adapt to new environments and to think creatively. I guess that is the future of education. But I do see a huge barrier when it comes to working with governments and you know, maybe also with certain corporates, you know, because you were talking about risk takers and unfortunately there are only a few corporates out there that are risk takers. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly because all these organizations, whether you know public or private sector, There are huge organizations, like they act as dinosaurs, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's very difficult to change the internal structures and politics. There is very difficult to find internal allies that are ready to take that risk, you know, and sometimes even risk their job. Um, so we, particularly at Bridges for Music, for example, we have been very fortunate to meet some of the people working at the forefront of education mm-hmm. and in the philanthropic philanthropic side as well um like the walton family foundation you know we're sponsoring a lot of new disruptive educational models around the world and you know a lot of montessori schools 
Um, or for example, in South Africa, you know, Nando's, you know, the mm. food uh, chain company, um, which is really, you know, trying to make an impact in, in, in Africa. And, you mm. know, one of his co-founders, Robbie, yeah. um, he's a, an amazing risk taker. Again, yeah. you know, another, another example, like, for example, Richard Branson. And, yeah. you know, there are a few guys out there that definitely are, are able to take that risk. But I do think that one of the main barriers that you are going to find, as we are doing, is, you know, the government uh, <clears throat> support and the government structure. You're absolutely right. Um, in some countries, you don't have a choice. But um, if you look at, firstly, I wanted to just touch on something else that you that you did mention about preparing learners for the for the future. I think you're absolutely right that the the, the learning in the future it's not about knowledge acquisition; it's about knowledge processing. So in our thing, and it's actually in the very center of our, we've got this value circle. At the very center are our learners who um, go from being dependent to self-directed. So whether you're doing numeracy, literacy, and agricultural course, whatever, the whole thing, coaches are deliberately taught and, 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 and um, how to take somebody from being dependent to self-directed. So not only are you going to get somebody who's foundationally numerate or literate or has learned something about agriculture, um, they are now self-directed as well. So that, that, that's a key element. About dealing with governments, uh, you, you're absolutely right. I've got to say, in Zambia's context, I've it's been. I think they've been very supportive. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think I've been lucky with the people that I've met, but I, I think they've got quite an open policy. Um, that said, they've got a lot of challenges uh, in, in in the standardised testing across southern and eastern Africa. They they, they 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 feature right at the bottom of the table. So you know, so the the standards are low, and they've also got a very high percentage of their population is young. So there's a high infrastructural uh, pressure on, on, on the existing system. So it's, it, it, it's a place where it's, it's difficult to operate. Um, <clears throat> if you look at how, when I was looking at all this and I, and I realized I didn't want to invest my efforts on, on trying to augment the existing model because I thought it was completely broken, uh, I read this really good book called Disrupting Class which basically looked at how disruption takes place in business um, and, and trying to apply that to the educational space. And they, they you know, they discuss this problem a, a, a lot, you know. Um, and, and what normally happens in business is that um, you know, the PC computer, the rise of the PC computer over the mainframe is one of the examples they use in the book, um, is that the, the PC, the, the first PCs were um, very basic machines and they, you, know, you kind of plug it into the back of your TV and it was Bill Gates and Steve Jobs who were, and, uh, who were, who were using those things back then. Um, and the mainframe computers you know, saw these things and they said that they're not competition at all. You know, they're not going to serve our clients. And they kind of ignored them. And uh, what happens, of course, there, there was exponential growth and um, the mainframe computer company then saw it coming and then couldn't adapt, couldn't change their culture. Too late. Yeah, it's, it, it's too late. And also established organizations are, are, are change is more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so normally what happens in, in, in the commercial world is that, the, um, is that the, the old monolith dies. You know, so the mainframe computer died, the, 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 those companies died, and, and in came Microsoft and, uh, and the others that... Now, what happens in, with uh, education, it's difficult for the old one to die because it's so ingrained and so entrenched in the culture. Um, property, uh, the, 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 the property prices, you know, just, just the, the pure logistics of providing all the buildings and, and all of those things is, is difficult. So you're dealing with, you've got a disruptive idea. Um, if it was a, just a straight competition, if the government were a commercial organization, it would take somebody with a far less skill than what we're doing to to compete to out compete the government, but mm. but it's uh, but because the government has access to tax revenue and it has all the um, infrastructure that it needs, anybody who's trying to bring about uh, uh, um, something new is uh, it's a it's it's a it's a one-fisted fight, right? It's a, you 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 can't compete for these reasons. So I mean. <clears throat> Duke University did a study and they, they said how much has the way how much has learning actually changed in the last hundred years? And I think it's a seven or eight year old study, but I think it was something like 
it's about 90% similar. You right. know, you know, it's 89 or I can't remember really? exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. And if you look at all the, other techno- all the other changes that have happened in every single industry across any sector, mm-hmm. it's like it's a different world. And so you've got to understand why have, ha, has the existing traditional model no, the, adapted the, faster. Why, why, isn't it, why isn't it budged? And, you know, we've all got our different theories. But for sure, it's, it's, a, it's an obstinate one. Mm-hmm. And I think when you go into this, you've got to realize that, you know, there's a whole lot of blood on the dance floor already. You know, there's a lot of people um, probably far smarter than us mm-hmm. who, who have tried and failed. So, you know, we're going into this thing realizing I, this. Yeah, I think we go back to, you know, the lack of, um, you know, room and flexibility of all these big structures, you know, and education is mainly dependent on the government. And, you know, like any other corporate, like any other government, it's really, really rigid. And it's very, very difficult to really evolve, you know, at the same pace as Silicon Valley. It is impossible. You know, like that, that is, I think, where the gap is just getting bigger and bigger over time, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you think about it, who is right now leading, um, you know, all the evolution and all the innovation in the world? It is the Facebooks, the Googles, you know, you mm-hmm. name it. Now, if education needs to keep up with those, you know, it's absolutely impossible because they are driving a vehicle that just drives like 200 miles slower, mm-hmm. full stop. And that is where there is room for new disruptive models like General Assembly in the States or like any other, you know, independent, you know, educational model to pop up and be successful and really empower people for the next, the next decade. Mm-hmm. No, for the past thirty years, you know, so more looking to the future and really looking at the opportunities that we have right now, right here on the table, you know, whether it's blockchain, whether it's programming, whether it's whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, I, in some ways, you can't blame governments because you know they are they they late majority type people, and if the government took high risk, it it's a politically dangerous mm-hmm. thing to do. Absolutely. You know, I come from Switzerland and the, the, so I'm based in Switzerland a lot of the time and they've got a very uh, conservative uh, sort of, they, they adopt change quite slowly and uh, because they're much more strategic about it. So, but the, the, and there are certain African countries that are, that are um, being open to, to, to new models. Um, I, and by the way, I, I think these changes are not just a developing world um, um, problem. I think, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may have seen the the documentary Waiting for Superman, you know, about the American education system. Mm. It's you know, I think these uh, these problems are worldwide. Absolutely, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I mean, we see it, you know, in Spain as well, where I come from. It's just you know, like an ongoing, um, you know, discussion. Um, but yeah, I wanna. We've been talking the whole the whole time about learning. I want to know, you know, from your personal experience, what has been one good learning or big learning from the past few years, you know, in this exciting, but I'm sure very, very challenging journey for any social entrepreneur that is out there that, you know, sees entrepreneurship as something very glamorous and very cool that everyone is talking about. Now people are adding the name social to it and it's becoming like the coolest thing in the world to go out there and be an entrepreneur that gives back and make something that makes a difference in the world. We know how extremely difficult it is. What has been one of your learnings? I think um, it's the ability to learn and change. You know, I, I, I was hoping at the beginning that the learning curve would hopefully get a little less steep. <laughs> and uh, this is not the case. I think you've got to, the, 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 particularly in, in, in Western, European Western culture, which I, I guess is a lot of my basis of um, is that failure is regarded um, quite badly. Oh, you know, so if something goes wrong, like if something went wrong when I was at JP Morgan, you know, we'd blame somebody and they would look like rubbish. And, you know, so the, the cost of failure was, was, was extremely high. And, um, and I remember the first failures that we had at Edulution, I was kind of like, I was down in the dumps, I, was, I guess. You know, I, I took it very personally. And I think you've got to be, don't take it personally and, and, and be adaptable. And um, tenacity, I think, is tenacity. I think is key. I think it takes a lot more than good intention to to bring about positive change. Um, and sometimes uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions too. You can you can set something up and 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 you think you're doing good, 
um it's uh but in the end maybe you're not i think there's other i mean on a personal front i've had a lot of personal evolution i think uh my approach to ego uh has 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 changed a lot and the more that i get into a service culture where i genuinely where i'm genuinely authentic on 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 purpose and service and all of those things it's a bit of a deal. I, 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 I'm not in anybody else's head, but you know, ego is a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's pretty sly, and um, you know, you can. I, I think that's something to be managed and to be aware of, because suddenly you're the guy that's, you know, he's doing the Africa project and he's doing that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how cool, uh, how cool, you, without how, even you know, knowing how the cool, facts. You know, and 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 people say, you know, and and this you've got to be very, uh, uh, very cautious of. Um, and I think the other one is just recognizing um, the power and diversity, you know. So uh, I think we, ca- we could be guilty sometimes of being paternalistic about going into a situation and saying, let me tell you what, let me tell you how I should fix your life instead of um, listening and, 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 and with genuine humility and of one of service, uh, you know, come to uh, at least a um, a solution that's going to work for both. I think, you know, trying to come in and imprint your 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 solution, you'll, you, you will definitely fail, by the way. You know, <laughs> the, 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 there's no doubt. You can't, you can't just go into a place and, and, you know, even if you have a good idea, if it's not accepted by the local community, if, that, if, that, if, the, if it's not being of service to the local community, it, it, it brings nothing. Totally. I think... That's one of the main mistakes, right, that um, some people do when they arrive into a community in the developed world, in an undeveloped world. And, you know, they come with the Western ideas and they think that what they think is what's going to work and it's what is needed on the ground Mm -hmm. instead of listening, like you very well said, um, and really understanding, you know, the culture and the environment and the circumstances, you know, um, Gila Liberté, uh, known for being the founder of Cirque du Soleil, once told me um, that we, with his foundation, one drop, um, they were working very hard on uh, building this water well in a rural area in Tanzania. And once they built it, um, they realized that the community, especially women, you know, who had to walk for 20 kilometers every day to find water and bring it back to the to the village, actually didn't like it. Mm. They didn't embrace it. Mm. And they were like, but what the hell? Why? Why? <laughs> I am happy. You, you, don't, you don't need to now you know, walk for 20 kilometers every day. Well, the reason was, you know, that was the only time where women had their solo time uh, away from their husbands who often beat them, mm-hmm. you know, and that was kind of the time where they could come together with other women and share their thoughts and their fears and have intimate conversations in a safe environment. So what do you think would work, you know, uh, might have, you know, some challenges along the way um, and some surprises. And I think that's very important to have in mind. There's some very interesting research in spiral dynamics, which talks about the psychology of cultures. And one of the big conclusions that I drew from that research is um, tell people what they need or give people what they need, not what you want to give them. Totally. And, and I, I, you, you've got to be very careful, you, you know, and... As much as as much as I want to be of service, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, 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 yeah, it's, it, it's not only about having a good intention, right? It's mm-hmm. also about really having the right processes in place and doing the the research and the due diligence and maybe being humble enough on your approach. I guess I, I really like the quote um, or a quote or a you know a, a thought that we had the other day with with Eric um, talking about how the master remains a master when he remains a student mm-hmm. right the moment the master thinks knows everything you know will not be a master anymore um and that's really you know we were talking about a friend in common alexander um you know who is you know very humble and very you know uh, curious and that's what makes him a master right anyway um to uh, wrap it up i want to ask you um an inspiring book or documentary that you have watched in the past year comes to your mind well there's <laughs> there, there's many there's many i um letting go 
by uh, by Hawkins, is this Richard Dawkins, no, Richard, Dr. Hawkins, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have to edit that one. <laughs> um, I, is an amazing book. I've just finished Quantum Warrior, which I which I quite liked. Samadhi, I, 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 I watch those on, on YouTube. I think, uh, and I know we haven't, well, I suppose we've been talking very practically um, about this, but I think what drives us both is, um, is the shift in human consciousness and and um for any of our projects to be successful for the world to um migrate and evolve into into this new space um it's clear that to me that that the big important shift is human consciousness technology is moving at such a pace and our consciousness is not and um is not i i feel that underneath there's a i think we're getting to some kind of tipping point and I want to be, uh, I want to be part of that. Uh, I want to be part of that tipping point because I think the people in this population are. Um, um, if you look at uh, there's a physical co- the, in physics how a laser beam works with coherence. You only need sort of point one, point one of one percent to um, to be in the right frequency, and then everything else snaps into that. So although the you know you can look at it and be very depressed by what's going on, I also feel that there's a I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, um, um, and why we are both doing this, and and there's a lot of people out there who are considering doing this. I I think you shouldn't underestimate the the power of your one of your one human effort. I think at this stage in our evolution, I think it it, it counts much more than one. And now that you have touch on on this topic and you know maybe we are opening the the kind of wounds here um (laughs) but um you know considering the challenging work you're doing and you know the shift in human consciousness that you are talking about what are your daily habits or what are your practices that make you keep balance yeah it's a good question because you you get you get thrown around a lot it's a bit of a roller coaster ride as you as you know um i i this is what I try to do. I don't always do it. Um, if I um, if I have to be completely honest, but I I'm, I'm, I I I meditate. I meditate quite a lot. Um, I like going for a run. I think exercise is key. I, stretching. I think um, um, and times and, and times of disconnection and 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 I, I I don't see developing my own consciousness, evolving my own consciousness as this kind of nice to have. I see it as um, completely essential to to me and um, so I do try I think uh, according to my wife I am <laughs> I am out of balance and I, I, I think I probably am at the moment um, but I think it's but if I didn't do s- the stuff that I do do I, I'm sure I would go crazy um, I, I'm prone to anxiety just because I I, I, I think a lot and sometimes I can over... So meditation to me is essential. It's kind of like I, I, I have to do it. Otherwise, anxiety comes and that's not so much fun. So What we call the black dogs. <laughs> Eric and I like to, to call them the black dogs. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. we all have ours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Give them a pay. So I think in this thing, I think if you, if you, if you just look at it logistically as... <clears throat> there was a moment I remember when I was evaluating my current job and I was thinking... How does this differ to what I was doing at JP Morgan, right? Because I was solving problems at JP Morgan, I was solving problems here, and it's a whole lot more difficult. And um, if you just look at all the stuff that you have to do, it's it's a tough job. And um, the only difference, really, is uh, I mean, uh, is what you're doing it for, right? And how you do it. It's all in the how and the why. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So yeah. Why are you doing it exactly? That 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 definitely does make a difference. But the how you do it as well. But don't you feel that sometimes we lose that that reference? Like absolutely. Like you are yeah. caught up in your day to day, in your own bubble, in your stresses, and whether it's J.P. Morgan or whether it's Edulition. Yeah, yeah. It, I sometimes you really lose that reference, and you feel as stressed, if not more. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I and I see some of my more corporate traits coming out. Right, mm-hmm. you know. So where you know in those environments it was delivery was very important and if you didn't deliver you know you got it in the ear somehow 
um, and and you can end up behaving in exactly the same way. Particularly under duress, you you you, you snap back. So I think you've got to be very conscious of because otherwise you're just doing the same thing. You may as well go do the same thing and have an easier life and make more money. So if you don't if you don't figure out the the why and the how, as you, I I, I think you're not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, there's a, there's a fascinating book um, by William McCaskill, um, "Doing Good Better." Really, really uh, interesting. I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Yeah, so it's you know basically someone coming from a economy background um, from Harvard um, who talks about what are the most productive and efficient ways to do good if you want to do good in the world, right? <laughs> and he talks about this term called um, earning to give, you know, which is sometimes is a more productive way to make an impact in the world. So basically maybe going back to your corporate job, mm-hmm. earning 10x what you're <laughs> earning in the nonprofit space and then donating half of it <laughs> to the cause you most believe in or the cause that mm-hmm. is the most efficient, you know. Mm-hmm. Might it be um, against Malaria Foundation, who is, you know, which is currently rated as the most efficient organization in the world in terms of impact per dollar mm-hmm. um, donated or, you know, whatever other cause you believe in, um, whether you believe in Michael Ray or... Valentina Barrichetta and you want to support them right <laughs> but um, you know it's um, it's really definitely worth a, a thought you know how we want to make an impact in the world and what is the most efficient way of doing that yeah you're right you're absolutely right so um, just to wrap it up uh, how can people find you where where can we send people to find more information about evolution and about you personally um, if you go to our website, that's probably the best. Um, I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. What's I'm, the reason of that? I don't know. Uh, it, it's never felt right to me. I, I one day I'll be cool, but I, I I'm not cool at the moment. Um, the the the, the evolution is on Facebook though, but other people run that. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, um, so there's there's some background on there's some background out there, too. I um, but I, I I've got to say I, I guess my personality. I'm not a big trumpet blower, I guess. <laughs> so, so maybe I could be doing better. You know, it's funny because I, I've been observing and most of the people I know that are the most present and focused and pay attention to pay attention are not on social media. Mm. And, I, and I have, you know, I have strong data that backs it up. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's like people that are not on Facebook, that, you know, are not on Instagram, that are not on any of this social media. And I can name maybe not many actually maybe with my two hands you know the people i know that are not on these platforms and they are all from different backgrounds but they all have one thing in common and is they're extremely focused and mainly you know very happy people the um yeah i I really do see the power of it and i i I just think everybody should tend to their strengths and if i'm if i'm allowed to think about and problem solve which i love doing um and then other people can spread the word if, when it's effective. And then I can go and develop other things. <laughs> sure. Well, pleasure to hear you, Michael. I think you have an extremely cool voice for radio or podcasting. I think you might want to start your own at some point. I was really looking forward to hear your voice through the microphone. Um, congratulations for the work you're doing uh, with Edolution Reshaping you know, the way people learn in Africa and more precisely now in, in Zambia, but looking at new frontiers. And I hope you have the best luck in this tough journey. Thank you, Val. And um, and I hope you don't mind me just doing a little about Bridges for Music. I mean, we had an incredible, I, I've seen what they're doing in Cape Town and, um, and, I, and, I, and I see the crowd that are, that are backing Val. Um, and the work that he's doing, and particularly through a huge passion of mine, and I'm somewhat jealous that <laughs> that I wish that we could incorporate music too, because I, 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 it's so phenomenally powerful, and particularly in Africa where they're very musical. Um, I think the work that you're doing and the um, the the inspirational effect that it's going to have is um, is incredible, and um, the events that we had at Africa Burn, and just getting to know you better there. Um, I uh, it's, it's it's been another privilege and 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 very humbled that that we've got and very grateful that we've met so um thank you man yeah. i want to ask you actually just one more question now you mentioned that like how do you see music and sound affecting human consciousness and leading people to live 
um, more mindful life? Gee, um, I, I guess everybody's different, but for me, um, I think vibration it became very clear. We, we, we um, for me, a, a week ago, I had this incredible experience, which is a subject of a different conversation. But it's very clear to me that the source of everything in duality and in, in, in the dimensions that we exist in is vibration. So uh, it's the you can't transcend that. that. That that's that's the that's the whether it's string theory, whether it's sound, whether so how I vibrate and how you vibrate and how we vibrate together, because life consciousness is vibration. It's uh, that's the that's the construct on which we. Um, the construct on which we exist and um and the thing about vibration is you can't fake it it's it's it, either you resonate or you don't you either resonate or it sounds out of tune or not right it, you, you can you can be out of tune and, and 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 keep polishing the the drum but you know um so i'm very aware and i i've, I've kind of now regarding myself as this vibration vibrating machine uh, this vibrating organism, and and I have some custody over how I vibrate, and um, and I think once you realize this, I think it it becomes you become very um, powerful, powerful in a good way because you can't be powerful in a bad way because if you if you are not vibrating in resonance, you you're going to be dissonant and 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 your fix will be far far weaker than somebody who's resonant totally and you know like we we believe that people live in resonance when they are aligned with their passions when they are aligned with their communities and when they are driven by a purpose mm -hmm. right and i think um that's the ultimate definition for us of of resonance and you know obviously being surrounded by like-minded people like we're trying to do in this podcast is what uh, you know kind of increases your level of resonance or you know, um, yeah, your state of flow as well, right? Like everything is connected, you know. The more you resonate with your environment, the more in flow you enter and, you know, the more good things and good people you attract to your life. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I think you've got to... Um, <clears throat> uh, it's a little bit like an orchestra where, I, where I'm, an, I'm a violin, for example, and I have this personal responsibility of tuning my violin and, and playing it with a lot of skill. But then, of course, I need to play it with other people. And, and, and there you've got to tune into other people as well. So, and, and when one, when self implies other. This totally. Is, this is, so I think, uh, I, I think it's really important. And yeah, when, when the violin goes off beat or off, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> then everyone is out of tune. Yeah. I, I, and I think this is probably the most important point, you know, both you and I have set up these things, but we both know that it's completely critical that that you're just part of the whole thing. That it's only through uh, resonating with other people and working with other people in a resonant way that um, where the real power is. You, you, you. There's only so much power that Val has, and there's only so much power that Michael has. It's, it's. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can guide the wind instead of blow the wind, you become that much more powerful i love that if you can <laughs> guide the wind instead of blow the wind i love that i think that's a amazing way to wrap this up thanks for your time michael and i hope we cross paths again soon thanks well it's been a pleasure